there, and welcome to episode 16 of Moot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast, all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game. I'm Harry, and this is episode 16, hot, very hot, on the heels of episode 15. So hot, in fact, I think my feet are burning uh, because of the extremely delayed episode 15. So apologies about that, but let's get cracking on episode 16, because this is a good one, this is going to be good, I, I can just feel it in my bones already, um, because this one is about war in Reading. Now, war, uh, it's got dots in between the letters, and I'm not quite sure why, but either way, it's called war, and it's a massive, massive convention. Um, maybe it's something to do with WA Reading. War Games... Armies Reading. Let's call it that, even if that's not actually what it means. Anyway, so uh, that's the tournament for this week. Um, basically, it's it's got loads of stuff. It's a massive convention. There are loads and loads of people uh, there doing lots of different games, including uh, Lord of the Rings or Middle Earth SPG. Um, but I, I, from what I gather, it's like the one of the bigger conventions in the country for just general toy soldier stuff so there's a big bring and buy sale where people get rid of all their tat um, there's a b- big sort of space where lots of different traders come and bring all their their stuff that they want to sell and flog all the i assume all the kinds of toy soldiers under the sun um, and then of course there's a big gaming area as well which is where i'll spend most of my time during the tournament and um, but it's very exciting because um I heard about this last year and it sold out by the time uh, I got a chance to actually look into it. This time, however, uh, I got in there early and, um, and then there was a, as a moment where I work got in the way and I thought that I wasn't going to be able to go and it was all going to be gra- uh, horrible and sad and disappointing, but in the end, it's all actually worked out fine in the end. So it's all good. I'm here in Reading as we speak um, the night before the tournament in my hotel and um, it's all very exciting and um, I thought... Well, it's about time I give you a bit of a rundown of the tournament and all the gubbins that involves uh, that. So, um, also, uh, just before we move on to the army lists, uh, I'll be continuing the, or giving you the answer for the riddle in the dark from a couple of episodes ago. Um, basically, because I'm so hot on the tails of uh, the previous episode, I decided last time not to uh, give you the answer, but that's just because I'm a little bit lazy and these things happen. So, um, let's move on. Um, uh, to le- having a look at the lists and the ideas behind this one, War in Reading. So if you've listened to the Green Dragon podcast, uh, if you're a regular listener there, hi to uh, Jeremy, uh, Kylie and uh, and the gang uh, over in Australia. Um, because you, you will have a bit of a sneak peek, or, well, not just a sneak peek, but a peek um, at the entire list uh, for the evil side of the army. Um, basically, it's a good versus evil tournament. It's 500 points, nice and tight, nice and small. We like that. Uh, it, it, I'm increasingly enjoying the smaller games I'm playing, mainly because for a run there, I was playing a lot of 700 points. Um, and I think I like the flexibility of 500. It gives, gives you a different challenge. Um, you're less likely to come against big nasties, but then equally, um, you're able to bring a big nasty and be 
hard to counter uh, but as you will find out in a second I've brought a few nasties and a lot of not very nasties um, but anyway the uh, as I was mentioning the Green Dragon podcast there was a bit of a sneak preview of my evil army list I even got some advice which I'm, I'm going to just absolutely have to take it um, because the Green Dragon guys are really smart um, so uh, thank you Kylie and thank you very much to Jeremy for some of the pointers you've given me hopefully I'll bring them and bring them to bear Though I'm suspecting, I can't even remember much of the advice they gave me anyway. Uh, anyway, so uh, the army is five Nazgul of Dol Guldur and three Castellans of Goldul Dol Guldur and uh, one Morgul Blade on one of them. And that makes an exactly 500 points. So we've got eight um, models, uh, five of which are the fancy Nazgul. Now, the, obviously the fancy Nazgul have to be allocated to something, and they are going to be the Witch King. So, if you're not quite sure about the Nazgul of Dol Guldur, they're, I think they're becoming more and more popular, but for a period of time when they didn't have any models, nobody knew what on earth they did. Um, the general gist is, they die, and they resurrect on a 3+. plus. Um, so they're, they're two, two attacks, uh, strength four, fight five, defense six. Um, they've got all the all the good stuff. No magic, um, but the main magical bit is their resurrection roll. So they've got a couple of might each, apart from the Witch King, who has three. So that's what I've got. Started with Witch King. He's the leader of the army. Then I've got a Slayer of Men. Now, he's got a two-handed weapon, and he uh, is burly, although, and, strangely, increasingly, you're seeing things like this. You're getting things that aren't burly, that don't use the burly special rule, but that don't suffer the minus one penalty for having a two-handed weapon and going two-handed, which is being burly. So anyway, there's a couple of uh, times in the rules where uh, the whole foot, the Hobbit character, um, he does that as well. He means that people don't suffer the benefit of going two-handed. Anyway, uh, it's weird. Why don't they just say, he gives burly to people, or... Slayer of Men, he's burly. Anyway, burly. That's what Slayer of Man is. Uh, then we've got the Lingering Shadow. Now, I really like the Lingering Shadow because this army is going to be really easy to trap. It's going to be surrounded, and then that's that. The Lingering Shadow, not so easy to trap because his magical ability is that he can, at the start, just before priority is rolled, which is kind of crucial, actually. It's worth noting um, because you don't know whether you're going to get priority or not. Um, he can move three inches. He just vanishes and reappears within three inches. Um, and that's that's pretty useful as long as he's not in base contact with people. That's the rules. So uh, that's great. And then I've got two Abyssal Knights. And they are the ones that swap position. Well, not swap position. Basically, um, if at any point, um, this is again before priority is rolled, you want fancy the one of the Abyssal Knights to pop out of existence and reappear in base contact with the other one, you are more than welcome to do so. But also, crucially, and this is really crucial in a good versus evil tournament, the Abyssal Knights have elven weapons. Elven weapons. Because one of the big downsides to the uh, Nazgul of Dol Guldur is that they have uh, a minus one, they suffer a minus one penalty to that three plus roll, so it becomes a four plus roll if they're killed by an elven weapon or an elven blade, I think is specifically. Um, so that's not good. Um, and I don't want to be losing draws against elves as often as I can. So basically, Abyssal Knights, at least I won't be suffering that, uh, you know, winning draws on, on only a one or two. So at least that will be a half and half chance if I do come up against elves. And let's be fair, there's a lot of elves kicking about these days. 
So that's the idea with the uh, Nazgul. I really wanted to include the Nazgul because I got them, um, I bought a load of uh, Forge World stuff, including some of the Hobbits. I was like, right, I'm going to finally get the Nazgul. Um, and uh, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm getting them, I'm going to have to use them because they are really nice models. And you know what, they are really, really nice models. I honestly don't know what the hell people are talking about on the internet. People on the internet say, oh, they're standing with swords like this, or they're not very dynamic, are they? You know what? Pfft. You know what? Pfft. I'll say it twice, because they're great. They're awesome. The models are really cool. I really like the models. I really like the poses. They look exactly like they do in the film. The one query I would have is that the cloaks are a bit annoying to glue down because I um, used the uh, generation shift bases that are designed for Dol Guldur. Um, uh, so if you have a look on the internet, you should be able to find Dol, uh, generation shift. But they're really cool. They've got like bricks and they've got the the uh, bits of metal kind of. Uh, uh, I don't know what it is actually. It's just like metal girdery type things are on the floor. I don't quite know what the purpose of those is, but anyway, they're like strapping rocks together uh, and vines and stuff. And they're really cool. They're clearly designed to be Dol Guldur. But the Nazgul's cloaks don't really fit properly on them, so you get a kind of little wonky Nazgul that balances rather than being standing and... and... Anyway, it, it's fine, it's fine. They look quite cool. I love the bases, I love the models, and oh my God, did I love painting them. They're so easy to paint. I just literally put bulgar metal on, the me uh, the metal bits, obviously after a black spray. Um, then I shaded them with Nulnor glass. Then I painted... Um, my increasingly my favourite paint colour which is Stegadon blue or green or turquoise or something, it's like a dark, darkish turquoise and then three layers of, of that starting with half and half black and blue, then blue, then um, Stegadon mixed with hawk turquoise or something like that and then a little highlight layer of just pure hawk turquoise, so actually um, it's a few layers but that's it and they look amazing, They're just because the models are so detailed, you don't need to do anything with them, it's brilliant, so that's awesome. Um, and now you'll be wondering about the Castellans. So why did I include these Castellans? Well, mainly because I wanted fi uh, wanted as many Nazgul as I could get, and the maths just simply doesn't work at this level at 500 points. So I was working out ways that I could get around this, and I was going to have an extra two Nazgul, and then I'd be uh, too many points. Uh, then I was thinking, well, I can have one Nazgul, and then I'm left with uh, 50 points, and there's nothing that, uh, that I could find that's 50 points that, that really works. I, I think that's right, is it? Yeah, it would be 450 for five, uh, six, sorry. And then, yeah, it was like, oh, okay, this is weird. And then, then I, could, I was thinking, oh, a Castellan, that'd do it, 45 points. And I'm playing, I'm playing five points under. So I was like, oh, that, mm, I don't know whether I like that. And then I thought, oh, I know, if I take out one and do the maths and blah, 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 then suddenly I've got 125 points and I can make that into three Castellans, one of which with a Morgul Blade. So that was the idea. Um, I originally thought, oh, Castellans, look at, look at this stat line. This is amazing. Two attacks, uh, strength five, defense six, fight five. They've got 12 will, so they can use th and they can use that for fate. So they're interchangeable. They're not going to run away pretty much ever if you keep them in an objective-based game because they're huge. I think it was Courage 6 or something like that. And they've got 12 wills. So amazing. I thought, this is, a, this is an awesome model. And only after I submitted the list did I realise they've got Will of Evil, which is the like the normal Nazgul. Um, every time they're in combat, they lose a point of will. So uh, so the, the, these have a, have a time limit on them, I guess, or um, you've got to pick your fights with them. Um, but I think that's probably good because in many ways I'm thinking 
uh, actually these guys probably hang them back a bit uh, use the Nazgul uh, to do the mo- most of the work because they're not going to die very regularly especially against normal armies that aren't elves um, and then the Castellans can come and mop up and be absolute monsters hero killers potentially um, you know certainly captain killers um, two attacks fight five and very resilient that's the sort of person I want to be fighting um, you know a normal captain or you know anyone weak kind of weakish captains I'm trying to think of an example but Goldfimble let's say Goldfimble that kind of guy let's go for that um, so anyway that's the army I realise it's it's I'm playing at a disadvantage because I've got eight models um, you know there's a very good chance of objectives you know it's a, it's a random um, scenario tournament so I don't know what's what but equally you know they should be quite fun to play they pop around there's all sorts of shenanigans the idea being you know i split my army up abyssal knight and uh, the lingering shadow go down one side and kind of provide distractions and fanny around over there somewhere uh, on the left potentially and then on the right i'd send the main bulk of the force so people are going to want to deal especially for objectives or recon or whatever people are going to want to deal with those guys but then the trick is the lingering shadow and the abyssal knight can flick over back to the other side and um maybe maybe before i even engage and then uh then you've got that denied flank and it takes them a lot longer to get get over to the other side that's the idea anyway um but generally the idea is let's not roll anything uh lower than a three for my um uh, resurrection rolls i can spend two points of might if i want if i get a one on one of them and I'm going to try and avoid spending might for anything but that. Um, maybe maybe the Witch King might occasionally, uh, I don't know, strike or something. But only only really to draw out the, the might, I guess, just so that I've got that move advantage, I guess. But, but I, I, I think I don't see many cases where that's going to be essential. Perhaps in Contest of Champions where that's the main rule or Fog of War when I really need to kill a hero to get the VPs. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. We see who I encounter and what happens. So there you go. That's my evil army. Um, let's flick over to the good side of things. So I mentioned him earlier. I mentioned um, my good friend Holfoot Brace Girdle. Um, and I won't include it. This is the new Hobbit. Uh, he's awesome. He's uh, the sheriff leader and as you, if you may have heard over a while back, I started doing a slow grow league. I've still yet to finish the slow grow league with my local area. Um, it's just very, very difficult to find time to play a one thousand point game. That's all I've got left. Um, a thousand point game with someone um, on the slow grow. That's with my hobbits, and my rangers. So if you flick back a few episodes, uh, you should be able to find out which one it is. Um, I'm trying to think which how far back it would be. Uh, it would be episode seven. I don't know how long ago that was. Anyway, so. Um, I start the Hobbits. I've got lots of Hobbits. I've been increasingly getting obsessed with the number of Hobbits I need. Um, I've now gone with 55 Hobbits at 500 points. Yes, that's right. Well, actually, 54 Hobbits at 500 points. Let's run you through them, and I'll explain the other one. So we start with Merry. Uh, he has to be the leader. He's a hero of valour. So, and also, because he's the natural leader, let's go for it. He's in the scaring of Shire. Shire, he... Uh, beats back Sharky and the Ruffians. Um, so he's on a shield. He's on a pony with a shield. So 55 points, and with him 15 battling brandy books. These are Hobbit militia. Uh, you pay an extra point, and you get to be strength three. This is amazing. We'll have a lot of those. Thank you very much. So uh, battling brandy books. Um, they've also got 
a lot of axes, not all axes, sadly, um, and a lot of stabby stabby uh, fainters. But I think it's about nine or ten uh, axes. Um, somehow I've managed to acquire that many. I, I didn't se seek them out like that, but it just seems to have worked out quite nicely. So there we go. Uh, 15 axes, uh, or as many axes as I can, but 15 battling brandy books. Then we've got uh, Farmer Maggot, his three dogs, and nine sheriffs. Sheriffs, uh, in case you don't know, they're the Fight 3 ones. Um, I've painted them up with little blue jackets. They all match. Uh, the Battling Brandy books and the Archers don't. Um, but I quite like the idea of them all having little uniforms. It makes them look really sweet. Um, so that's what I've done. Um, I've got nine sheriffs, uh, three dogs, and a maggot. Then um, I've got Holefoot Brace Girdle. So Holefoot, um, he is pretty kick-ass. He's the new Forge World hero. Um, he is... Uh, the leader of the sheriffs and his he gives people a buff he gives people a three inch um buff in the sense that they are all burly uh, or actually as i mentioned earlier it, i don't think it words it like that for some reason it is they just don't get the minus one for going two-handed with their uh, two uh, hand and a half staffs so awesome so we've got the potential for actually doing some damage they're only strength two hobbits but now we've got they've got we've got a killing power centered around him, which I like. Then we've got twelve Hobbit archers with Frodo. Now Frodo, I undenied about Frodo for a long time. Um, he's crap in the sense that he can't actually hurt anyone, but he's really good in the sense that he's a six-inch banner. And because he can't be the leader, um, or he isn't, he's never the leader because he's not a big enough uh, hero. Um, He's not often a big target. Nobody's going to attack him, really, because pff, you don't get a great deal. He's defence six, so he's hard to kill um, by Hobbit standard. And, you know, he doesn't really do anything in, dam in combat, so pff, why would you target him once he's got a lost point in my... Yeah, fine. So, uh, Frodo, he's got a banner. I really like that. I haven't given him the pony. And I am denied about this because ponies... It, it does increase the size of his base, but it just means it's going to get surrounded and um, so yeah you've got a little bit of extra range on the banner for the hobbit base size but i think generally hiding uh, a hobbit in the ranks um is easier than hiding a pony um and he just looks less obtrusive so he's less of a target i think that's the idea that's the thinking behind him we'll see if that actually pans out like that but there you go so that's that's the main uh, hobbit contingent but oh no wait that's right that's only 425 points worth of stuff but that's 54 hobbits so what have i got left i've got 75 points what are the green allies well the green allies are rangers are there any 75 point green allies i think not wait a second who's this it's the father of aragorn the hero it's arathon in a back to the future car what's he arrived here for arathon has dri driven up in the delorean and um, somehow i don't quite know how this works um but anyway arathon turns up and um, despite the ideas of the alliance matrix to uh, promote good theme and to promote things that wouldn't uh, would actually happen arathon clearly not there when frodo's lost his uh, ninth finger maybe he's turned up in the wild and actually he'd never died in the end anyway who knows but that's who's turning up and the thinking behind this was um twofold one originally i was going to have halberad halberad is too expensive um i think for this points level anyway um because you just lose he's like 120 something points with the banner and 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 I, you could give him a horse i guess and it just it felt like i was losing too many hobbits for that and he couldn't lead any hobbits so it's not great i do get the banner but frodo's a decent banner 
for the hobbits anyway so i think that's fine so and then i was thinking well, well who else could i have i could have aragon but then he's really expensive um and he's got and it, but i need someone i i just think a hobbit army always needs some killing power and ultimately Merry, strength two Merry, rubbish. Strength three Sam, yeah, I guess. But I really want the battling brandy books, so you kind of need Merry to lead them. And then once you've got him, I guess you can have Sam leading some stuff. But I feel like Maggot and the dogs are more useful because then they get that. And then you've got to have Holefoot with the new thing. So, so it really, it's it's filling out the warbands too much. So, and then it was either Frodo or uh, with leading stuff or Halbarad and like a, one of the crappy new ones leading a few hobbits so um, it turned out Arathorn was a great shout because three attacks three might he's got a bow um, he fits in with the list so we've got a lot of shooting still um, yeah of course he's a, a slightly fragile ranger but three attacks is fight five it's it's pretty useful in this army you know um, I had a practice game against Aiden for my local club and he brought a uh, at 500 points he brought a great beast of Gorgoth and I was thinking oh my god I'm so glad I have Arathorn because he churned through everything else uh, with the great beast and then Arathorn was like no 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 I'm fight five you're fight four let's stop you there so that was that was really useful and I think I think he, need, he needs to be in this list because I don't know how I'm going to compete against the big stuff and there's going to be some some joker like I usually am bringing uh, Sauron or something like that and if I don't if I don't have a way of at least having a poppet stalling them for a couple of turns then I'm screwed so Arathorn that's the idea 75 points rounding things off for a good 500 still got 55 models I've still got 12 bows from the hobbits and I've still got Arathorn's bow as well plus lots of stones if we get into that situation we'll see what happens um, I'm scared of facing up an, uh, anything that's really sort of high fight um evil guys and i'm trying to think of anything that's well anything sorry not high fight what am i talking about high strength evil guys that are just going to turn me to paper um i guess most people are outnumbering me um uh, sorry not outnumbering me but if i come up against something that's just killing me on threes that would be pretty horrible so you know those what, the gundabads not gundabads the other ones the uh, black guard of Aradur, that would be annoying uh yeah, anything that's maybe a, maybe another similar horde, like a, 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 a I don't know, like a Haradrim horde or something like that, because that would be annoying, wouldn't it? If I, they've got shooting that outshoot me, um, they've got strength that outstrengths me, they've got fight that outstrengths me, something like that. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But either way, those are the two armies. It's all very exciting. Um, we'll head down to war in Reading uh, in a, a, a few minutes' time. But first, riddles of the dark. Yes, time for riddles in the dark. But this time, um, I'm just going to remind you of the last uh, episode's riddle. And that's purely because uh, this episode is so hot on the heels that um, I don't don't think there's any chance that anyone's going to email in their answer in time. So uh, I want to give you a bit more time in this one. So here's a reminder of episode 15's riddle, which we'll answer in episode 17. (laughs) 
There you go. If you think you know who speaks next in that clip from the films and what they say, email in entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Now, it's time for war, and I'm going to hand over to my correspondent at the convention, Harry. Yes, Harry, I'm at war in Reading, and it is an absolute hive of activity here. To my right, I can see lots of different tiny, tiny miniatures. They're about two millimetres tall, and if I move forward, um, I can see lots of what I think is called bolt action. It's a different system, you know, it's one of those non-SPG games, but there's lots of tanks and explosions happening. Uh, over here, there's lots of people in medieval dress, and uh, they're playing some sort of nighttime warfare uh, game, which is really interesting. Lots of black platforms um, that are hiding things underneath them in a kind of uh, a mysterious gameplay, I believe. There's something about that you lift the platform up, revealing what's underneath it. Very exciting stuff. Uh, game over here with lots of little uh, colourful tents and camps and hundreds and hundreds of tiny wooden stakes defending barriers and barricades. To my right, there's a sort of modern version of battleships. You've sunk my battleship. Uh, that kind of game, uh, where there's lots more complicated grids on the uh, uh, two clipboards, that, or sorry, two cork boards that are dangling up and uh, sort of illustrating the paths of the map of Libya and Egypt and all this sort of stuff. People are trying to shoot rockets at each other from there. To my right again, we've got, uh, as I'm walking through this huge hall, we've got lots and lots of tabletop games. We've got, um, I think, some sort of Civil War reenactment. But if I spin around and survey the whole scene here, it's in an incredible, credible sized room. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of tables here in this, what I think is a, a, a lawn bowls club uh, at the Rivermead Leisure Centre in Reading. And uh, people are playing all sorts of toy soldier games. It's really quite lovely to see uh, the breadth of ages and, uh, and diversity of games here. I can see some young kids playing games over here and I've got on the right, I've got uh, some older folk and then further on the distance there's uh, someone who looks uh, so old he might even be a border, borderline skeleton. Uh, I'm joking, of course. No, there's plenty of ages though and uh, young folk and old and um, it's, it's great to see... The, the toy toy soldiers are basically alive and well. You know, we, we hear about um, games dying and Games Workshop doing uh, struggling on the high streets and things like that in the past and changing their business model to work more online and um, and so on. But clearly, people are still playing toy soldiers, and uh, it's nice to know that it's not just uh, uh, the uh, older folk that are still playing these things. So, um, with that in mind, uh, at the start of the day, there are actually. Uh, uh, there's a bring and buy sale and everything where people have been buying loads of stuff. But if I head over here towards some of the gaming tables here at War um, for the Middle Earth, uh, Middle Earth actual tournament, there's a beautiful Lake Town board with lots of wooden walkways and uh, little houses. If I move along, there's a Shire board, which is put, it's actually moulded, an actual modular board where you've got uh, huge hills on one side and then you've got hobbit holes everywhere. Carry on moving along, you've got Barador again, foam, uh, foam table where it's made out of those sort of four big uh, foam tiles and the, there's hills moulded on, the lava coming off Baradur. Fantastic, fantastic terrain. Um, there's even a Goblin Town board, which looks very exciting, um, perhaps very annoying to play on, but it actually has the walkways and it actually has um, lots of different platforms and rocks that people can climb through. So it's fantastic to see all this here at War in Reading. But uh, I suppose what you're really interested in is hearing about how my hobbits and Dol Guldor do. Um, I found out that my first game is going to be hold ground with my hobbits which on the one hand I'm interested because 
I get a lot of hobbits in the centre and it's going to be hard to shift 55 of them. But on the other hand, once I'm uh, wandering around an alternate deployment and uh, what, what do you call it, maelstrom deployment, it might be a difficult one to, to match up. Uh, it depends on who my opponent is. So uh, I'll hand over to me again um, and then hopefully uh, we'll be able to talk about the first game of Hold Ground with my hobbits. I'm already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! So, game one of war in Reading, and I'm playing you up against David Brown, and uh, the first round I had to play with my good army. I think that was randomly allocated. Uh, we didn't have to roll or anything like that. And then we'll flip-flop backwards and forwards throughout the rest of the day. And um, So it's my Hobbit Horde with added Arathorn against uh, your army, David. So just uh, give it, first of all, give us a run-through of uh, your army list for 500 points. Um, so it's Mordor. Uh, I've got Gothmog on a warg with a shield. Uh, got Shagrat. Uh, as many Moranans as I could cram in and about four warg riders. And you've got one random orc with a spear, but no banners. Yes, correct. No banners. Okay, so first of all, um, you looked over the field. You, well, you didn't quite see them because it was a random deployment in hold ground, uh, the one where you have to rush to the centre after being deployed all over the place. But when you saw my tray of hobbits, what did you think? Did you fancy your chances? When I knew it was hold ground, yes. Just because I thought they would not all be able to be together, and if you did do that, you'd have spent a lot of might. Um, so I fancied that one of my warbands could take down one and a half to two warbands of hobbits. And that was a pretty accurate prediction because uh, I think the first, first couple of turns none of your guys arrived yep. but my army was completely split down the middle. Uh, we had Merry and his battling brandy books on one side, Frodo and his, um, his uh, archers on one edge with Arathorn and then we had Holefoot and his sheriffs on the other side and uh, Shagrat decided to go for Holefoot and I guess because of the burly that you wanted to assassinate Holefoot. Uh, yes, and uh, I obviously tried twice and he got away with one of them but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wanted to get rid of the Burley, and I wanted that to happen before all of the Sheriffs got together, because you had a second warband of Sheriffs. Oh yes, yeah, I was, I was forgetting Maggot and his Sheriffs, they yeah. also arrived with Frodo. I, I didn't want them anywhere near Holfoot, in the middle of the board, when you'd be rolling fives to win me <laughs> on the same fight value. Yeah, I must, I must say the, the, the Maelstrom really scuppered me, really. I, I mean, I think you're always going to with Hobbits, because their primary strength is, you know, they've got uh, something like 12 or 13 archers, I can't remember exactly the number. Um, and I've got 55 or 55 throw stones in there as well. So I'm ideally standing still waiting for you to hit oh, yeah. me. But with whole ground, not only am I split up into four four different corners of the board in this instant with very little might in each warband, to be fair, um, but I'm also stranded. I'm not able to run, and I've got so little movement that you can easily catch me. So do you think that was the downfall of the army here? Uh, probably, yeah. This is not a good scenario for them. It can work, but you were in three groups... Not, not because of anything I did, unfortunately, because of some rolls at the start. And um, that meant I was able to pick two of the groups and go for them. Um, yeah. 
you yeah. know, my warbands are a lot more hefty. The same number of models or less, but it's just the fact that I wound on fours every time. Yes, exactly. And uh, when I'm piercing, striking even less. And then when I'm stabbing, I'm killing myself. So, um, and I think 10 guys died from stabbing. Oh, it was insane. I rolled a, every single stab I did. Um, I, I failed to get a... T- I, if I won, I didn't get a one, so I didn't get the reroll. And <laughs> the rest of the time, a third of the time, I'm dying. So actually, I'm not convinced stabbing is a good strategy for Hobbit. So I think I'll ditch that strategy from now on. Um, but I, I'm intrigued because I, I was I, I was hoping that, that I'd be able to swarm around things um, a little bit more. But um, I think two things that went badly initially was the deployment didn't really go my way. But I lost those early priorities as well, um, which meant you could slip on you lost after me. Every single priority. Every single Apart- priority. Yeah. You won the first two. Yeah. And in that two turns, I wasn't on the board. Yeah. After that, I won everything constantly. I- Sorry, but, you know... Yeah, it, it was pretty horrendous <laughs> in many ways. Horrible luck, and, and will have helped me, definitely, because you then didn't fancy using Mike to heroic move because Gothmog was not lurking, you would have just got the free one, it's a roll-off, and it's mm. almost not worth it, because you had the opportunity with Merry in the first turn, didn't you? When you could have got the charge, stop my wild riders to an extent. Um, it was like, if you call it, it's a 50-50, and then he's down on one mic. Yeah, exactly. That, this, this is part of the issue I faced. Um, I, I think it, definitely losing those early priorities meant that you could surround me rather yeah. than me maybe use... Because I'm happy to spend a little bit of might to get my guys on to attack you, but to just get them on the board or to stop them from coming on an inopportune moment was... I really don't want to be spending the might like that. And in an army where I've got um, Frodo... Um, Farmer Maggot and Holfoot have only got one might each. Yeah. Really, I don't want to be spending that might to try and uh, just get them on the board or, or avoid yeah, getting them in a really terrible position. Once the lines clashed, Holfoot and the gang actually they re- held up re- relatively they well. They did. They, uh, I was. Uh, it wasn't. It, it wasn't the end of the world. But I was hoping I would, yeah, be a bit more robust on that corner. And in the first two turns, yeah, I, I, killed, I only killed about three or four sheriffs, and I lost four orcs in the same area. Yeah. So you, you did have the numbers on that side. Yeah, that, I think that's, that's again, because um, Frodo was on that side, yeah. so I had the banner effect and the burly effect, yeah. and I had, so there was two warbands. So, so the, other, the other two warbands were uh, separate. I think I mentioned earlier they're in the uh, opposite way around. But um, having a banner and a burly guy really ma- made the difference in that corner. Yeah. So um, that, that did, at the start, help. But then once I'd lost Holfoot, it was all over and then a couple of turns uh, later I lost Frodo and the banner and then I see I'm looking at this lovely Minas Tirith board here with, with a, a, a statue of uh, Faramir on his horse um, and there's one sheriff standing next to it and spreading all the way to the central objective there's about eight or nine uh, orcs and Shagrat um, getting pretty close there. The only guys st- left standing are Farmer Maggot and his three dogs valiantly fighting till the end the dogs, and Arathorn. Dogs are incredibly resilient. I think they've been in three rounds of combat and all still alive. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. I don't think they killed anyone. Oh, no, one of them killed a warg. Yes. Um, but other than that, yeah, it was pretty pretty dire from... Uh, Maggot failed to win a, a, a fight every time because of his two-handed thing. He won the thing. last one and got up, didn't he? He did, he did, he did because of the dog, though, I think it was yes. because of the dog. Um, but either way, uh, David, it's been, a, it's been a cracking game. 12-0 to you um, with, your, with your valiant Mor- uh, Moran and Orcs and uh, Shagrat and Gothmog. Uh, so um, I'm just intrigued before we move on. Um, what's your good army? Cause had... had had we played with my Nazgul, what, what would we have I'd been playing against? It would have been Army of Thraw. Mm. I've got Thraw and Young Thorin, and then about 26 mix of Guardians rather than Grimhammers and uh, Warriors of Erebor. Okay, that's intriguing. I don't know how I would have fared against that. My, 
my Nazgul are Dolguldor with their Castellan friends, uh, perhaps a little bit weak against something as high strength defence as that. But hey, either way, David, it was a cracking game, and yeah. I hope you enjoy the rest of the game. Yes, the thank tournament. you. Thank you very much. Cheers. Okay, game two of War in Reading, and I was playing against Kamil Domanski or Dominski. Domanski. Domanski. Okay, Kamil uh, Domanski, and um, it was a game of domination. So I'm using my Nazgul of Dolguldor with the three extra Castellans. Uh, and we have to take five objectives with eight models. Not something I really wanted to be doing, if I'm honest. And then also playing against an elven army. Camille, just uh, run us through your army list um, with all those elven weapons. So my uh, leader is uh, Glorfindel on uh, Asphaloth. And uh, Armor of Law. Gondolin. Gondolin, yeah. yeah, that's correct. And Kirdan, my lovely Kirdan, which we'll tell later. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll move on to that, yeah. So... Um, the game, the game began in a, a sort of usual way. I, I sent all my ringwraiths into the woodland area and there were three objectives clustered, one in the centre of course and two fairly close to each other, surrounded by woodland and terrain. And I really wanted to avoid um, being shot at by uh, your bows. And I think that, that strategy worked pretty well for a while. For three, four, four turns, because I didn't want to get close to you because your two attacks equal fight, so was risky so I was waiting what you're gonna do for next turn <laughs> yeah it was a few turns of kind of delaying tactics trying to move around trying to avoid getting the best shots and threatening the archers I went basically straight for the archers um, and looping around and um, there was an objective closer to the edge of the archers as well which yeah. was also on the right hand side of the battlefield so there are three clustered on that area which I thought those are the ones that I'm going to try and get if I want to win uh, because the two others were quite far over the other side I didn't think I'd have a chance of getting them and I was to be fair right in the end and yeah, um, I'm intrigued Camille uh, when you first saw the army of the the uh, Ringwraiths and the Castellans. What did you think? Did you fancy your chances against them? I, I have, but I was afraid you had so much mind, so I'm not gonna able to move first. Let's say. So I was kind of waiting uh, if you split your army, so I can gang you, surround you, and just try to kill you. But obviously. It's not easy to kill Dol Gordur army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not at all. And actually, I, I didn't really spend much of my might. Yeah. Um, in I don't think I spent any on moves. I spent one on a strike to one try and strike, compete yeah. against Glorfindel with the Witch which, King. Which you failed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't wound. You combat, but you failed. You didn't wound him. Yeah, so I, I won the combat, but I, did, I failed to get that wound, that all-important hero uh, wound that I was after. Uh, just only one wound, and then I can back away from him that's what I was after yeah, you're winning yeah. yeah absolutely that's what I was hoping for but I never quite got there but I was saving the mic for the resurrection rolls which really paid off because although as the weight of the game moved on there are now three dead Dol Guldor but for a long time all of my uh, ring waves were still kicking around and, and we chopped through a fair few elves they were quite tough to fight against yeah, yeah it was yeah I was lucky on it which turn it was third one that we both uh, clash so I thought I'm going to do some damage with Glorfindel. Obviously, Kirdan casts uh, Enchanting Blades on him. So I thought, OK, that's the chance for me. Let's go for it. Unfortunately, I roll a four. <laughs> yeah. And you roll a six. So Absolutely. I had to burn two points of mine to win a combat. Otherwise, that would be dangerous for me. Yeah, and I spent the rest of the game trying to, trying to suck out that last point of might. And you were quite uh, careful in the way you, you did it. But ultimately, I think the Elven Blades um, uh, of, the, of the Elves really worked in your favour and the high fight value, crucially. Um, you got a lot of traps off as, as you needed to. Um, and the, the weight of it just slowly, I, as I lost the Castellans, which... To be fair, the Castellans were... I thought they were going to be amazing, and they, they really struggled, mainly because I have a habit, I had a habit of rolling about eight 
dice in a row and yeah, getting nothing higher yeah, than a three. Two or three, yeah, that was like, wow. I did five wounds and you spent all your fate to to fail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose on average, but it was before that. It was the, I, I, I had two, uh, I, I think, took five rolls or six rolls or something just to save the first two yeah, wounds and then yeah, the other three I was uh, it was really struggling and um, in terms of tactics did you have any particular plans for how you wanted to pin me down or how you were going to overcome the the special movement of the the Nazgul ring raids so I thought I'm going to spread my archers just on the objective but with your uh, resurrection so we can move six plus your move six so you can get them kill them easily so I was trying to stay together as most of the game and then just waiting what you're gonna do if you're just gonna TP somewhere else I'm gonna get you there trap you hopefully kill you and you waiting for your one <laughs> yeah and that, that was it it really was a matter of just waiting for the one and luckily uh, Glorfinnel has the the 12 inch move on the on Asphalos horse uh, his horse and so I guess you you could still compete you yeah, could chase yeah, one down one objective to another one so yeah. I, I was quite yeah yeah you're quite happy with that in the end um, uh, we, uh, the game just ran out of time one hour 45 500 point games usually okay and um, but uh, we ended with a lingering shadow on one objective, another of the ring raves uh, centred on a couple. So um, I, I drew it, or I had some guys on objectives, but not enough clearly yeah, to outweigh. The number, numbers was your downsides, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In an objectives-based game, you had the... If you've got, let's say, three more guys, then it could be a draw. It could be a draw. But then, of I course, think, yeah, yeah. Six, uh, at 500 points, you can't get very many Nazgul. But, um, yeah, I think we, I ended up drawing a few of the objectives or making them um, uh, one point to you. But in the end, it was, it was a very clear victory. You managed to wound the Ringwraith, uh, uh, the Witch King, earlier on in the game, which gave you one. And then you had a few of the other objectives, meaning uh, it was a 7-0 victory to, yeah, to you, yeah. Camille. Well done. And yeah. I just want to uh, quickly touch on your uh, good army, uh, your evil army, sorry. Um, I'm looking at it. I see lots of lovely fur cloaks. On your um, on your Gundabad uh, black shields, is that black shields? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's twelve guys, which are still good because they have defense six. But I'm missing so much on strength four, which was really really good back then. Yeah, back back in the old back days. In the old days, yeah. <laughs> and it's also worth noting you've got some gloriously painted miniatures. You've um, converted a lot of your. Um, uh, Rivendell warriors with the shields and the swords, so that they're they're not those static ones with the uh, uh, swords yeah, in the air. Yeah, they're yeah. awful, awful. If you got like twelve or even more than twelve, the army looks so boring because you got all the same pose. You have to do something with them. Yeah, absolutely. And these look great. They've got lots of variation. The arms all over the place and spears and and also uh, something I I really liked what you did with the um, archers because the archers usually a bit of a threat, but you gave them spears as well, spears, so they they can do something because normal. I had a game, first game of elves, so I had just the archers, no spears, nothing. So they were sitting at the back, you had like one, two turns of shooting, and then obviously if the two armies are in combat, you can shoot, mm. so they are useless. So you have to spend another two turns to get to the combat. So if you give them a spear, then you can just join spear sport somewhere. Yeah, and they really may, uh, they really sway the numbers uh, back in your favour uh, to an extent because, yeah, like you say, often you can leave your archers a bit far back, they take a couple of turns, and then you might not want to get them in the front yeah. line anyway because they're the lower defence ones, they don't have shields. So, um, so it's, yeah, it's a really good strategy just giving an a archer a, a, a spear. Um, I did go for them eventually, I managed to kill a few of them. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but hey, it helped, uh, you had another extra spear in the combat and an extra fight five spear is always good. Yeah, it is, yes. Absolutely. True. Well, Camille, um, yeah. good luck in the rest of the tournament. I know Thank you must you. have been on one loss after 
we met here, but you're up to, back up to a one loss and one win. Yeah, so one good luck in the rest of the tournament. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Great. you. So game number three, fog of war in War at Reading, and uh, my army. Uh, I had to. We've had to roll off and everything, and I ended up with the evil army. So the Nazgul take another turn on the table, uh, and this time facing up against uh, a Minas Tirith army um, against Ollie Drew. Uh, Ollie, first of all, can you just give us a quick summary of your army and how you got yourself into position on the bottom table playing me? <laughs> uh, so yeah, Minas Tirith army um, led led by Ingold uh, with. Kieran and Madril as my other heroes, uh, and then a just good old-fashioned mix of uh, Warriors, Minas Tirith, some uh, Citadel and Fountain Court in there, just for a bit of uh, bit of high fight, uh, and some Rangers for a, a bit of range as well. Of course, um, yeah. Uh, obviously, first two games didn't go too well for me either. Um, game with my Minas Tirith, uh, and then a game with Harad as well. So uh, but that's, that's the way it goes, isn't it? That's the way it goes. I understand um, you won the wooden spoon here last year, which gave you a free ticket to the tournament. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, last year wasn't particularly successful either, but uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, so I was, uh, I was looking forward to coming back. It's a great tournament. Um, I've never been to a, a tournament that's so, so many different mixed systems going on. I mean, over there, there are all sorts of systems. There's a massive castle in the distance where the people have been playing it. <laughs> I can't remember what it was called heroes and something or other and there's there's spaceships and there's battleships and there's everything going on it's, it's a fantastic uh, event generally yeah absolutely yeah this is my my third year here now and it's always fun just going wandering around when you've got a break just wandering around and having a look at the other tables and seeing the game systems just seeing people just enjoying you know tabletop gaming which is awesome Awesome indeed. Now, uh, to the table, to the gritty stuff. So, Fog yes. of War against Nazgul's Dol Guldor. Uh, obviously, I've got to protect a hero, uh, you've got to try and kill a hero, and vice versa, and then we've got to take some terrain pieces. And how did you fancy your chances against an army where literally anyone could have been your target and I could have been protecting anyone? It was tough, to be honest. Um, never played against uh, the Nazgul of Dol Guldor before. Um, a lot of complicated things to, to consider in terms of what they can do. Mm. Uh, the number of times, you know, I rolled sixes to take a take a model off the table, and then you roll roll a three or a four, and they're back on the next turn. It's um, yeah, it was interesting. It was um, it was fun though. A very different game to anything I've played before. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was it was good fun. Good, good. So I, I'm intrigued because early on. Um, I made a bit of a mistake straight away, to be completely honest. I chose to kill Kyrian, yeah. um, uh, thinking that, that you might try and protect Madril, because um, he'll be standing back, he'll be firing arrows, I'm likely to want to engage with Kyrian, so I chose him. But I chose him stupidly, th uh, on the who was on the opposite side of the board to the terrain feature uh, that I had to play uh, try and capture as well. So I was playing an uphill battle, um, but... I really struggled because I had so many heroes up against Kyrian. I had three or four turns in a row. Uh, you only struck one out of the three turns, but I just kept losing combats against Kyrian. It was awesome. Yeah, no. To be honest, he's um, I, I play him quite a lot, and he he's always he has always come up trumps for me. He uh, he's I find him a lot more reliable than uh, than Ingold. Um, so yeah, no, he, he performed really well, and I was I was really happy with with how um, how he went. Uh, it's a shame that you eventually did manage to kill him, um, but to be fair, he is you know he's quite uh, um, he's lower down on the scale of, of Minas Tirith heroes. So you know only two wounds, uh, one point of fate. So um, it was it was an inev inevitability. Yeah, I think that's the case, and, and unfortunately, you don't really have any massive big hitters in this army. No. And um, the fact that I've got eight big hitters means that. 
your numbers really didn't help you very much because I was winning once once I'd scuppered a few I did roll badly in the first few turns and I really got stalled over on the left hand side of the battlefield when I really wanted to be on the right hand side of the battlefield got stalled there um, but once the I started getting those combat wins and churning through people suddenly it really swung my way once I'd killed Kyrian um, I could the lingering shadow could bop along round to the other end uh, and I, you killed a couple and then they could use that six inch move to jump themselves over the other side and then suddenly you're le left with Ingold and a load of Fountain Court kind of on their own trying to kill one Ringwraith who just was resilient. Yeah, and that was, that was um, that's something that uh, you use very well to your advantage, I think, using that uh, ability to move. You know, once I'd actually killed one of the Wraiths, that ability to move um, away from the battle and, and just clear my men and get, get to the objective you want to. You did that very well. I was very impressed with that, especially after I realised what you were going for. Uh, that's when I started sw trying to swing the rangers in and try and block you off. Mm. Um, they, uh, to be fair, I think they did hold, hold you off for a good two or three turns, but uh, you eventually cut your way through. So. Yeah, and there were just enough um, uh, Dol, Dol Guldur and Nazgul into the, uh, in, in the terrain feature at the right-hand side in the end to just be able to overwhelm the, the four or so rangers that were sat in there protecting it. And, and one of the uh, sort of... I was really proud of being able to use the um, special rule for the Abyssal Knights where because one, one was fighting on one side and one was fighting on the other side of the table near the terrain feature once I'd killed Kyrian I could go right Abyssal Knight pop and he vanishes and appears over in the other end where the terrain feature was so he got himself immediately out of trouble and then just that extra two dice that extra two uh, potential kills uh, over the side near the range has really helped swing the ranger battle and so it was really good there um, and, and, and also, it meant I could just avoid the Fountain Court. I never really tried fighting them because they're just too they're, they're too high high defense and hard to kill, basically. Yeah, that's exactly it. And uh, that's I think that was um, if I'd got the Fountain Court to you quicker uh, and was just able to box you in and box you in, which is what I did with the last couple of uh, raids you had over on that, that far side there. I think I probably could have held you off for a bit longer. Um, but I was I, I thought I was trying to lure you into the defensive piece, the, the terrain piece that I was trying to defend. Um, to try and you know keep you away from what you were trying to get to, uh, and I left a bulk of my force over the other side of the table for too long. So yeah. my, that was that was a mistake on my part tactically. Yeah, and, and and I think to be fair, the 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 board which has got an awful lot of trees on um, probably helped me because it meant that you couldn't get your weight of numbers uh, into any particular fight at any one time, which gave me a chance to to kill a few guys before you could really get around the corners and stuff like that. So I chose this point in front of Amon Hen and uh, some trees scattered to the right where. Kyrian was on the front line so I went straight for him in the hope that there was about three or four models width between the tree and the Amon Hen terrain piece so I had a couple of turns where I thought right I can I might get a quick kill off Kyrian it didn't quite work but it did slow everyone down to get that weight of numbers in but but yeah I, I wonder whether perhaps if you'd uh, deployed differently you put, deployed your rangers on one side of the flank uh, the Kyrian and his gang on the, the right hand side and then um uh, the one one chap in the middle uh, as Ingold in the middle I wondered whether maybe if you'd put um, Ingold on one side and Kirin in the middle it might have made me think oh I'll the two heroes are this way to the to the left hand side so perhaps I might have gone straight for that side and then you know you could swing around if you put everything closer together it might have meant 
it would have given me less chance to flip around and choose my objective, I guess. Yeah, that's very true, absolutely, absolutely very true. My thoughts behind that, having the Rangers on the flank, was that that, that side that I put the Rangers, it was a lot less tree-covered. Mm. Um, so I was hoping that I would get a lot more archery involved uh, and actually get some shots on you before uh, you made a beeline for, for trees and what have you. Um, that, that, that was one thing about the board that worked very well for you, is that I couldn't really deploy my Rangers how I'd want to, um, to bring, you know, 12, 13 bows to bear on you um, each turn. So Yeah, that's very true. I mean, because it, it's, it's crucial that um, to get, when you've got 12 bows, you really want to get them doing something. And in this one, they just, I don't think they, they got maybe more than four or five shots off yeah. a couple of times, and they'd move to get those shots because there's so many avenues that, that I could hide from. So so it was it was a tough one to get, but because if you'd got even two or three wounds off in that early stage, maybe maybe I'd roll a one or two, I might have spent more might, and when the collides clash, it might have made a big difference. But uh, either way, the end result was a, a, a 7-3, was it? or 9-3. 9-3 nine, 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 in my favour, and I managed to get all three of the main objectives. It didn't quite break you. I think I was about eight or so models off uh, breaking you. You did get my terrain feature, but I'd kind of given that up for... Um, loss at the start because I just knew that I'm, I'm going to go for these three things and hope for the win So and, and it worked out in my favour in the end so Ollie, uh, well played sadly you get to remain at the bottom table but maybe, maybe uh, you'll be able to get the spoon again and come back for free next year yeah. That's the hope, no I'm joking it's just, uh, it's, like I say, it's, it's a great tournament I'm just happy to have fun and uh, play and meet some good people Cheers, thanks for talking to Thank me. you. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Thank you. So we're here at War in Reading, and uh, it's it's an immense, immense tournament. I, mean, I must say, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I knew it was going to be a convention, um, but I wasn't quite sure on the scale and the breadth of different war games involved. But, uh, David, you're, you're in charge of the Middle-Earth element of this. First of all, um, what is warfare or war, and um, how does Middle-Earth fit into that? <laughs> sure. Yeah, so um, my name, War, is War Games Association of Reading. So that's why we've got Warfare, as it's a War Games fair, I guess. Very clever. Yeah, so I know, we're original, aren't we? Um, and it's grown over the past, like, I think, almost 60 years now. From just in a, It used to be in a school in one little classroom and 20 people would come to where you now have 3,000 people coming through to, to play tournaments, to do demonstration games, to look at the bring and buy, traders selling their gear. Um, they had a whole shebang. Yeah. Um, that's the background, I guess. Yeah, and, and it's, it, it is impressive because, I mean... I know the, these games, these sort of uh, the Civil War games, and the, the well, everyone has little tiny, tiny miniature, miniatures on little trays where there's d dozens of them with f faces you can't possibly make out. But, but it, it's amazing to see them all in one place, and, and all the, make, the manufacturers of them here as well, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yes. Yeah. It's good. So how does Middle-earth fit into this, um, and how many uh, players have we got in the tournament, and what's the points level and all that sort of stuff? Uh, we fit into this because I decided it would be a good place to run a Middle-earth tournament. And this is our fourth year now. Um, so this year we've gone up to 54 players. Uh, we do good versus evil. Uh, it's 500 points. Uh, we never pick, Ben and I. Uh, we send out a feedback survey every year, players pick. And on that it's what points would you like? Would you like good versus evil? Would you like building restrictions for theme, etc.? Um, so we always let the players decide the rules back. And that's why it is how it is. Yeah, and because uh, it, it isn't uh, 500 points, um, good versus evil, it, it feels like... Um, not, maybe not rare, but um, one, one of the less common ways of, of running tournaments. Often we're seeing sort of good versus evil at much higher points level. Is it, so it, it's not really your decision, it's just that's how it is. I mean, I personally love it. I love the theme, the good versus evil. Um, and yeah, it's just how it is. There's obviously every tournament has a different way of doing something, which is great. But also every system is 
great, but also has its downsides. Like our system has its downsides, you know. People complain in the final round, but, oh, I'm not playing the top player because he's on the same evil bracket as me. Mm. Each system has benefits and cons, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I like it. The players seem to like it because they keep asking for it, so... Well, they get, so it's, it's been every year. Has it been pretty much this? This, this is what the, the people want. Yeah, good rest was the last two years now. Mm. Yeah. All right. Okay. And is, are there plans to get change that in any way, or is it probably going to just go down to a feedback form again? Yeah. Well, Harry, I will send it out to you <laughs> <laughs> at the end of this weekend, and you can fill in your thoughts. It's all anonymous. All anonymous. Exciting. So, um, how difficult is it to wrangle um, this many players and to? work out your space in the tournament itself and I, I guess because it's involved in a big association war association does it, is it more difficult to organise because you're sort of having to work to their rules to an extent yeah I mean there's certainly benefits for example I don't have to put any money out personally to pay for a hall which I listened to your podcast I know you had to yeah so there's no cost to me up front which is good um, but you know then there are downsides that I am restricted to your playing here uh, the tables can sometimes, as you've seen, with the floors quite wonky, and we can sometimes have gaps. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> yeah, just generally how difficult that is, and it sounds like yeah, because I think at the moment, generally this is a bowling green of some sort. I, I think that's right. Oh. Yeah, this is a bowls hall, and they don't like us playing on the green. God yeah. forbid. <laughs> so they put this floor down, which you guys obviously can't see, but it's intricate, isn't it, Harry? It's yeah, it's lots of sort of, I don't know, three or four metre square um, jigsaw cut, puzzle. Yeah, jigsaw puzzles of stuff. And then on top of it are these reliable old tables that, are, as you said, are flaking away. And, um, and uh, over there, I know you were switching a table around because uh, there was a bit of wonkiness there. But, but it, it works. All you really need is a table. There are enough chairs to sit on and it's not inconvenient. So it works. And there's space, which yes. is great. Space yeah, in between yeah. tables. Yeah, I guess the only inconvenience is when you're in the middle table there. And you need to get to the other side of the board. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're wandering around in a, a Maelstrom deployment or something like that. Yeah. But also, um, I want to talk about terrain because um, I've, I've never seen such a, a wide breadth of terrain. There's quite a lot of tables. You got, I think there was, so there's 50-something players, so there's 25-something tables. But you managed to come up with terrain for absolutely everything. Is, that, is, there, is it a community effort that does this? Totally, yes. Uh, we started off our first year with only, it was doubles, 28 players, so that's seven boards. Um, and from there, people liked that it was themed terrain. So Ben and I have been personally buying more. Mm. We've been begging, borrowing, and maybe stealing a little bit here and there. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we, what we actually do is players are allowed to bring their own trains. So this board we're sat next to right here, I was brought by the guys from Radstock. Um, and as part of it, we have a deep cut mat from Deep Cut Studios to give away as a prize for what we think is the best board. And then for everyone who's brought train, everyone who's helped us out with train, there is a raffle prize of a... Have you seen the 3D printed Ammon Hen head over there? I haven't, but that sounds really cool and I'd like to... I wish I'd brought terrain. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> Maybe next year. Well, I have, after running my own tournament, I've now got far more terrain than I can use in a normal situation so I might as well help you out next time and maybe win something from and, it and maybe I'd even get an Amon Hen thing to add to the terrain collection that I have no space for <laughs> <laughs> either way Dave it's, it's a pleasure to talk to you and to uh, work it out I understand you, you listen to the podcast generally I do yes yeah excellent so it's not always nice to uh, talk to people but, but you're quite a kind of a veteran of the, the scene um, generally you've been uh, playing for many years and um, you've been writing your uh, Minister of Blogs you, you've uh, won a, a lot of different tournaments as, as Minister of so I just before we move on, I'm intrigued at what your um, your opinion of the new meta, as it were, or the new system generally. We've had a year of it now. What, what do you think so far? I think compared to what we used to have, it's way better. Um, good do have more of an advantage. That is true, 
as evil had in the old rules. Um, but I think when you play it like this, good versus evil, it balances it out anyway. Mm. Um, but they're not overpowered uh, good, but yeah, I think that's the current trend, isn't it? Good armies are better, but everything can win and does win. Absolutely. And, and do you still like your Minas Tirith army? Because I know you've had some success in the past with it. Oh, I love them. They're even better now, yeah. Yeah. So are yeah. you still playing with them a lot? Of course, yeah. yeah. You, and do you go to many tournaments then more? Because I know uh, often there's a, there's a period of time with uh, hobbyists who are in the game and in the tournament scene for a long time uh, that they, they do a, a few years perhaps and then life takes over. Is that, is that you at the moment, or, like moving on to different work <laughs> and places and things like that, or are you still a regular player? Uh, I am still in that bracket of reasonable amount of money and no girlfriend. <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> um, no. So, uh, so I, I I can go to one or two a month. It's that's fine by me. Um, I haven't been as many this year because I've moved away to Sweden. Mm. I went to some in Sweden actually. Yeah. yeah but, um, yeah. Not as many this year, but I do like to go to them. Yeah. Well, Dave, it's an absolute pleasure. Well done, and, and I know Ben's involved as well. Uh, well done, both of you, for organising this tournament. It must be a difficult one with all these people, all these armies to wrangle, but uh, it seems to be running smoothly so far. So, Yeah, uh, thank you, Harry, and yes, good shout. Thank you, Ben, for his help as always. And, uh, and next year, I'm sure Warren Redding will be back in the same place, so if you fancy coming and seeing these fantastic tables... Ooh, no. Oh, will it not? Go no, on. Uh, we are moving to a bigger, better venue at Ascot Racecourse. Wow. So I make everyone happy. Uh, free parking for a start with lots of spaces. Aircon as well, apparently, and more room. Wow, even better. So next year, Warren Reading will be at Ascot. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. And I'm um, sure we'll hopefully have the same number of tables and maybe even a different format depending on the feedback forms. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. So game four of war in Reading and I'm facing up against Matt King. And uh, we've got a bit of a hoard off here uh, in a capture and control scenario. So capture and control is the one where you flip the objectives over and they've got to re remain under your control for the uh, duration of the game. Um, first of all, hoard off, I mentioned it, you've got a big cave drake, but what else have you got in your Moria Goblin army? Uh, so we've got a cave drake, we've got a groblog, a Moria Goblin captain and a Moria Goblin shaman. Some black shields and then a load of goblins, about 40 models. 40 yeah. models and you've got about six of the archers have uh, spears as well, um, but generally it's kind of spears and shield combos. I, I ran out of uh, space for models, hence why they got spears, yes. Um, otherwise it's black shields, yeah, spears and shields, usual rank and foil. And when, when you saw the Hobbits, um, first of all, what did you think of the, the, the mixture? Because you asked me a question about Arathorn um, at, the, at the end of the game. What, what do you think to his inclusion and, and the army as a whole? You, did you fancy your chances? Uh, it depends on the cave drake, honestly. I've run Hobbits myself. I never ran Arathorn with him. I always like to do pure Hobbits, and it's just a mess. Um, so Arathorn was an interesting one. I knew he striked, but wasn't quite sure what he could actually do against cave drake. So... That's his own little thing. It really came down to the bulk of the the goblins against the hobbits, mm. and unfortunately, didn't go well. For you. Yeah, it <laughs> didn't. So, so yeah, spoilers. Um, the the terrain set up with it got so lots of rocky bits, and there's a little tunnel um, which is about sort of cave Drake cave Drake length wide, um, but he's going down vertically uh, as as you'd imagine. Um, and there was a little bottleneck there where the cave Drake clearly wanted to take an objective sit on the objective and keep that safe and then push forward through this line of hobbits I set up Arathorn um, some hobbit archers a sheriff Holefoot um, Farmer Maggot so quite a big gang of gang of blokes there because my intention was to eventually get 
get surround the um, the cave Drake and get a strike in and potentially win it with a few burly guys, but it didn't quite go like that. Yeah. yeah. Thanks to a lucky charge by me not knowing who, uh, well, where the burly guy actually was, the new hero. Yeah. Got his name already. Whole foot. That one. Um, yeah. Charging him back was just a pure happy accident for me. Yeah. Um, so because you kind of tied him up. Uh, a little too far away, so we couldn't lend the bur- burliness as a as a help. Yeah, but ultimately the cave drake was there with six goblins, I think, uh, to stop you from running down there. Uh, I figured the captain might be needed over there, so he ran from the middle of the board across uh, just to do correct moves. Yeah, yeah that's all he did. Uh, and and eventually, I, I sent in um, on a turn that I'd I'd got a heroic move off. I I sent in a dog just to provide a bump, and I I was desperately worried about barges and things like that and so I'd accidentally lined up a perfect hurl for you instead. Yeah, very gutsy dog, don't know which one it is, probably Fang yeah. uh, very gutsy and unfortunately the line from the centre of the base through the dog was perfect and hit, what, six other models and Yeah, Arathorn? six guys including Arathorn, uh, Farmer Maggot, another dog and a couple of sheriffs. Yeah, three of which died, that's a, that's a dangerous dog yeah, uh, for me in a good way. <laughs> yeah, you rolled a lot of sixes on that one. You got, um, I think you got the Six a wound on Arathorn, <laughs> a wound on Farmer Maggot, and you killed the dog, which yeah. was pretty horrible. It's only sixes or ones. Yeah, <laughs> but whatever. There's no other number on the dice, is there? No, that, exactly. And but, so, so that sort of side of the battlefield, you, you'd capitalise quite quickly on and having a cave drake, and you managed to do a lot of damage, and you eventually killed Arathorn. And there's still a few guys over there, but it was far too late. And the middle uh, middle line where. The most of the fighting was happening. I guess I was a bit low on numbers compared with yours, but you, the crucial thing is you had spear support and you had a bit more might in the middle where you could say, move, yeah. uh, you could get the charges off and stop me from wrapping around. I think the difference was I had spears. Yeah. I had spears so I could do special strikes with them, keep the fight at the top with Groblog, who was increasing fight, uh, which he actually didn't fail in that game. Mm. It, the same now, we only had two turns combat, or uh, uh, three, mm. three turns combat. But um, yeah, so I. I like doing pure hobbits myself. I know the more competitive players do hobbits and elves with spears because then they get the fight and the spear attack. And yeah, I was interested because it's not even a big open space. Mm. It's what about 12, 10 inches, 12 inches. So we're only getting like 12 models wide. Yeah. Um, and I think once you'd filled that with, with your goblins, with the t- uh, spears and spears, and then there was a forest on one side as well, it meant that I just, unle- unless I broke through at one point, which I never quite got that chance to, um, or I never killed anything at all, I killed three goblins out in the whole game. Um, I was going to say that. Yeah, well, <laughs> you've got you to open up to it. But like uh, three, I, I won quite a few combats, but I just never quite capitalised on that, even with the Burly Boys and uh, the Strength 4 Piercing Strikers. It didn't actually work for you. It really didn't do anything, didn't, did it? Didn't, it, it? It's got Potential, but I think the times where you actually succeeded, you still rolled what like a two to wound me. Yeah. So yeah, didn't didn't do much. Um, but yeah, I just needed to break through that line, and then I might have been able to wrap around and send some guys around the back, take out some spears. But it yeah. just it just never happened. And I think the fact that you had forty something models, I had fifty five models. Um, we have an hour and a half to play play this game, ish, because <laughs> uh, we took a bit of time to set up. Because of course we've got forty models yes. and fifty models. So uh, I, I guess we didn't have as many turns, and therefore it meant that those early turns where I lost a couple of thing, I lost quite a lot of stuff and I lost a lot of those combats. It just, yeah, it just meant You've that got, I got what thirty left on the table, mm. and I've got thirty-seven. So. Yeah, you're outnumbering yeah. me now um, after starting quite badly, and and then. The capture and control went okay. I mean, I got two of the objectives, but 
that's not really enough. And had we played another turn, you probably would have contested one, and then we played another you one, you'd have taken that one. So, yeah, I might have contested one, but I think I'd have probably contested one for one turn, you'd have contested it and then won it, whereas right. I'd have contested one and then lost it. Yeah, the worst thing was, fair, going back to Cave Drake, you just lost Arathon. Yeah. Because uh, Heroic Strike rolled a two, so equaled the Cave Drake, and we tied on the dual roll, and then... Harry fortunately got to roll a two for the first time in the game. Yeah. I, I got in favour and yeah, Arafon got pummeled. Yeah, so he would have been ganked over there and it would have been a disaster and maybe you'd have swept through after a while. But either way, um, it, was a, it was a pleasure to play another horde, um, especially because there's quite a lot of um, small count armies here that I've seen and, and I've been playing against some quite elite armies with my hobbits so it's, um, in the past, so it's quite nice to play something a bit less elite. Although, you just had the slight pip in terms of the Groblog fight value, which was just a little slight. I've got the numbers, but oh wait, you had the numbers and you've got the slight yeah, advantage. That was it with Merry. Uh, so you have Merry against the woods. Um, I managed to get a guy around uh, the side of Mary, trapped you between the tree and three goblins with spear support. Mm. So Groblog gets his plus one fight uh, in range of the Black Shields. Wicked also trapping, so Moria gets plus one fight. Yeah. Uh, and then it's kind of like a, uh, you're in a sticky situation. Yeah, and that's okay, all is fate and a wound. And um, I didn't strike that time, but I definitely struck, struck the next time. But it, it, alas, it didn't help. I just... I went down like a ton of bricks. Poor old Merry, Pony dead, uh, him dead, Arathorn dead. It's a bit of a bloodbath for the Hobbits once more. But not a terrible victor uh, a loss to me. 7-4 to you in the end. You did and take... the dice with me, so it's, it's fair enough. I mean, I think, yeah, that may, I, I'll, I'll give you that. The, the dice are definitely with you. <laughs> I think um, in terms of wounding stuff, I mean, I, I won where I should have won uh, the combats, and I lost where I should have lost the combats. But ultimately, I didn't kill any models, but... I don't think that would have made a difference in the long run anyway. Well, you killed three. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the strength two just is an issue. Yeah. You, and the low defence as well. Yeah, yeah pissing When, you're, when your goblins are about the same cost, aren't they? Five or six points for a goblin? Five points. Five points for a goblin well, plus... Not the black shields, they're no. more expensive, but yeah. But for a goblin and a shield, you've got a defence six and strength three, so, you know, hobbits, poor old guys, are strength two and defence three. It's, uh, I really uh, hobbit shields. Hobbit shields, shields yeah, <laughs> big big wooden boards. Anyway, uh, an absolute pleasure to play you. I don't think we've ever played over the tabletop, so uh, thanks very now. much. Thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So game number five of War in Reading, and it was a game of recon, so uh, we're wandering off the board on the other side and hoping that we get uh, three times as many models off the other side as uh, the opponent. And I was drawing with my green uh, good allies, so I've got my hobbits, and I was facing against an Angmar army, a traditional Angmar army, uh, very traditional in fact, uh, with a shade and a birder and a troll and all these sorts of things, uh, and the opponent was Philip. Um, Phil, uh, I'm just first of all, just summarise the rest of your list. So I've mentioned Angmar uh, and I've mentioned the shade, but it is pretty traditional. Yeah, it's uh, wargs, it's spectres, it's um, barrowites, shades, trolls. I love the models. In my mind, an Angmar army is the beasts, the spirits, the trolls. Orcs are there because they need bodies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, and, yeah, there are orcs on the list, sorry. Um, yeah, they're just there because I need the bodies um, for a lot of the missions. If I could do an army list that was wargs, spirits and trolls entirely, it would be wargs, spirits and trolls entirely. I'm sure you can, but I suppose the uh, it's just the numbers, isn't it, of, yeah. uh, of wargs and stuff. But um, first of all, you saw an army of hobbits, a lot of hobbits. They're, they're slow moving, but um, and in this mission that's not ideal. But what did you think? Did you th fancy your chances against the Horde? 
So I've got six wargs in the list, um, and we had very bad luck with getting our warbands on to start with. Um, I'm pretty certain the first two turns were Arathon and a Barrow White walking towards each other and think, nothing else on the table. I think I'll clarify. First turn was Arathon. <laughs> yes, that's Second true. turn was Barrow White. Third turn was one warband, then another. And it was just four or five turns before the whole armies had turned up. So if those wargs... So your army turned up slightly before mine. I, I think if that hadn't been the case, um, I'd might have got a wog or two off, which would then have not would have hindered you more with trying to get some of your models off, even if I hadn't got any more off. Um, unfortunately, uh, the way you managed to get your stuff on was that you managed to block all of the, the the nice exits to the board, basically. So I was then trying to fight my way through twenty four hobbits in each corner to sort of yeah. actually get out, and that was. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, with a couple of wags, that's very difficult to do. Yeah, there's two massive terrain pieces on um, just sort of six to eight inches from each corner, um, and they're blocking off a good avenue on either side. Um, and then in the middle, I set, set up like the majority of my warbands, uh, the archers in particular in the middle, and then uh, Farmer Maggot and his Sheriffs on the left, Merry and his Battling Brandy Bots on the right, and then Sheriffs and archers in the middle, which, which just meant that they're, what, those are, are spread out, but because of the terrain, it, it did wall pretty much everything off. In particular, I was noticed when you started sending the wargs in, I can block them off with a few, uh, a, well, a warband of hobbits, just. Easily, easily. <laughs> um, uh, let, let's talk briefly about um, the deployment, because you were unlucky in the sense that your shade came on last. Yes. Which meant that, and I think you, you probably were thinking, right, it's recon, I'm going to send everyone forward. Do you think perhaps that you should have waited for the shade to arrive before moving everything else forward? Because it meant that Birder and his gang of... 10 or so orcs were yeah. a bit isolated yes potentially I mean I was trying to stop you from getting down the field actually more than anything else um, and then I was going to use them as sort of a, a block at the back um, I don't know actually um, I, I've never played this mission before actually uh, this is my first event so it's kind of a lot of these things is maybe maybe not you know in my head I was doing the right thing or at least trying to do the right thing um, the army lacks numbers for an evil army it's only got 27 models in it it, it doesn't have the the horde capability I mean it's almost the opposite I've got an elite evil army and you had a horde good army so it's it's a rare yeah, match it, it, and different and one of the things that <clears throat> is pretty hard counter to your army is I've got a horn and I've got pretty good I've got resistance to magic yep. Um, so, you know, I was Courage 4, and I very rarely failed my Courage. I mean, perhaps be way below the average, or way above average than I should have done. But either way, I didn't fail many Courage checks, so I could easily tag people like Birdo uh, early on. I could um, resist your Spectre shenanigans. So there were, there were a lot of things early on that really went my way, and I think the horn was probably integral to that, because I did roll an awful lot of sixes, uh, yes. which, which made a difference, as, as in... Um, Six on two dice, which made a big difference yep. for, for everything. And then also sixes, generally. Yes, which six. which would <laughs> have been... Didn't. Yeah, which you didn't, to be fair. And, you know, uh, I think because, they, because there were so few orcs in that early warband, I could, I could surround them, pin them up, and spread and slowly take out one per turn. And it's the first time that the Hobbits so far in the tournament have actually managed to actually get some traps off, um, just because of your low numbers. And yep. maybe... Um, you didn't quite get Birdo in, in, in time to actually do any good stuff. Well, you, you played very tactfully. Um, you kept your hobbits out of my six inches for a couple of turns, so you peppered me with some shots. Actually, he survived. You, know, you took him down to two, took him two wounds off in the first round of shooting, mm. and then after that, with some nice orcs in the way to take some hits for him um, and just some poor rolling on your half, uh, he survived the rest of the game. Um, He's still there taunting the hobbits <laughs> as we speak. Uh, but yeah, you were you were you were canny um, and just sort of held back, which meant that I couldn't get in. I had no heroic marches to use. 
in my army, so there's no way of me kind of boosting that speed to get, you know, with all of my army is um, six inch move or higher, if I'd managed to get within five inches of you at any point, regardless of what you did next turn, unless you killed them with both fire or stones, mm. I would have been able to get in and tag you if I'd won priority. I, th um, I think ultimately that was what it, what did it really was the, the bow fire because I had that squad of 12 um, or so archers in the middle and they had three un uninterrupted turns of, of shooting basically um, and first couple of turns I took off a couple of wounds off the off Birder um, as well as taking out the odd orc here and there then when I got closer the lines of sheriffs were chucking their pebbles at you so I maybe took out another couple of orcs which just meant that I could get those early traps and win those early combats with a banner it, you, do, you don't have a banner in your list so you couldn't get the re-rolls and things like that so I, which I was getting and then with burly boys it's just becoming traps and fives to wound it was, it was becoming a kind of swing and one thing that I would say that perhaps you could have done mm -hmm. um, I sent the odd sheriff into um, Burda to just hold him back I think a well-timed heroic combat killing one of them you could have smashed into maybe two or three more or yeah. and at least at least mitigated some of the traps and you'd have got Birdo stuck in but or even called if I think there was one maybe two times well at least one time that you could have done a heroic move to get the pull out my might and therefore get the first move and get Birdo into combat so I'll lightly counter that um, so I agree I, I, I totally agree with that um, this is my sixth game in this game system. Yeah. So I'm not. Uh, so, so, it's not no, a criticism. No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm just trying to think of ways that you could have improved. That I appreciate the the suggestion. So mm. I'm only countering that sense. I'm not saying that those are bad ideas. I'm saying that I don't know their game well enough to make those decisions yeah. at this point. Very so maybe those are the right choices. Um, but you know, I'm not quite certain what all the monsters do with sort of things like barges and bits and pieces. So with a lot of things like that, I actually just don't. You know. I am uncertain as to what I can and can't do, sure. so part of that hopefully will come with time. I do agree with, you know... Well, it, it, stuff, it's so. definitely, yeah, it's definitely... With a hero like, like Birdie, you've got to be maxing out the, the potential. And I think you, you played it really well in the sense that um, you got everything in the line and, and you, you were paralysing at the right times and you knocked Ar Arathorn down and if it wasn't for a lucky six, he would have uh, uh, would have been sat around for a couple of turns. So that was that was exactly the right thing. So the wags went round, perhaps a little early, but the wags were doing exactly what they could have done and I managed to just about stop them because of where the deployment landed. But... Um, well, uh, considering this is your sixth game, um, uh, that's a you've got a beautiful army. It looks gorgeous. It looks amazing, and it's really nice and thematic. It's proper Angmar army, not not a filthy shade dropped into a random list. Uh, and and you did play it well. A couple a couple of pointers, but if you're six games in, hey, that's 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 nothing. That's not a criticism. So um, well done on the game. Well played, and best of luck in the final uh, final round. I'm sure you'll smash it. What's your good army out of interest? Uh, Lothlorien. Lothlorien. So what have you got now? You've got uh, Galadriel. Galadriel, Rumil, uh, five guard of the Galadriel Court, uh, a banner, six bows, and eleven swordsmen. I think, um, but it's an all-metal army. My, I managed to, have, I've managed to amass a, a collection of metal Lord of the, uh, Lothlorien models, uh, so I don't have any of the cavalry, I don't have any of the shields. So it has its issues as a as a list of playing, but it's. You know, the theme is metal, and I'm not changing that. Well, it doesn't matter, because the metal models are gorgeous, and judging from your paint job of your Birdo, which is absolutely fantastic, I'm sure the rest of your army is fantastic as well. Um, you, you, you were taking some photos during the, uh, the game. Have you got an Instagram account you want to plug? Uh, I do. It's A-A-T-Hobby, A-E-T-T underscore hobby, as in Space Wolves, because that's kind of my original background. Um, I post uh, Lord of the Rings, 40K, Age of Sigmar, Aeronautica Imperialis, large-scale models, the works. I do everything. Lovely. So. Well, I, judging from these models, I'm sure it'd be well worth checking out. Philip, thank you very much for the game, and thanks for playing. Thank Cheers. you very much. Cheers.
So game number six of War in Reading and the scenario was to the death and I'm taking my Nazgul of Dol Guldur, which I thought, hey, this is going to be great because you can't really kill these guys. Uh, and, but then I come up against something similarly tough to kill. Uh, AJ, tell us about your army. What have you got in the game? Well, this was inspired by you listening to your um, podcast. So I took Durin, um, 10 Kazakh Guard, a warrior with a banner and... That was my one war band. Then I took a dwarf king with six uh, dwarf warriors with bows and five dwarf warriors with shield. And uh, just just because you mentioned that you're inspired by my podcast, um, the the the, the, the the other evil list was Sauron. Excellent, good choices. I really like this, and it's great that you've ins- uh, I've inspired you to take an army that has absolutely battered me in this game. And um, it was it was horrendous. You're a victim of your own success, really, I am, I, you? Yeah, I'm a victim uh, indeed, and I now know how hard it is to wound dwarves. So j- let's just walk me through it. First of all. You'd never really encountered the Nazgul of Dol Guldur. You were Not, a bit unsure of what Castellans did, did. Didn't know anything about what your army done. All I knew in the in the Hobbit film, where they just when you hit them, they die and they come back. That was it. I had no idea. I just took it as it came. So, once were you initially a bit apprehensive because of that? Yes, hundred yeah. percent. When you kept on telling me that they come back on a free, and um, they had like, was it twelve fate points? Some of uh, them? Yeah. So the the, the Castellans had twelve fate, and the other ones had two might. So yeah. So I thought, even though you had six or seven models on the board, I thought to myself, each one's got twelve wounds each. So that's like, oh, that's like twenty-four wounds. So I'm facing like a twenty uh, twenty-four, and then models come back. It was like a 30, 40 point. Yeah. 30, 40 point model army uh, in, it's just in, statistics in, was going in my mind yeah in, in the head I suppose, I suppose the Castellans they've got 12 will each which can use as fate so that's kind of half a wound each so yeah. I guess they're basically 6 wound models if you do the maths um, so yeah that's 18 and then you've got the other guys that come back on most of the time so yeah I can see where, you, where the maths but crucially it didn't quite work out of that and it's largely because I'm wounding you on sixes and you're not wounding me on sixes you're wounding me on fours well I didn't know that I didn't know that so I just thought everything was going to be defence six I mean I played a game earlier and I didn't know what the rules done about a dragon and it just ripped me apart I think it was in game three against David Palmer David David Palmer so I didn't know what your stuff done so I was really nervous after the first say third turn when I realised, hang on a minute, you can't, you've got like, you know, rubber swords, they're not going to hurt me at all. So I thought I could get up here, and it was a literally, I mean, we timed out, and you had two models left, but literally, you was coming back, coming back, coming back. I think you only killed eight models all the time, and what really helped is that you only won three priorities all game. You might have won the first priority on the first Maybe. turn, so it been four, but you but all the key priorities I won and I think in the last five minutes you won two out of the last three priorities Mm. and that was so vital that I could choose my fights and especially with using half guard with the Kazakh guard so that and they've got bodyguard it mean no courage test so I could always get in there yeah I I think that's that's definitely where where you you got the wins because you got all of those traps and I was reluctant to use my might because I wanted to use that to spend on the resurrection rolls which worked to an extent you know they they did last a long time although eventually once they ran out of might they did start dying the witch king had to uh, spend too early on because he rolled a one on things but and yeah you got the traps crucially and so when you've got four four guys against me you've got the four dice I've only got two so I'm relying on the fight value and because you have a dwarf king fight six 
during Fight 6 and the you, banner and the banner with the re-rolls you can guarantee you're winning a good few of those fights and there's not many of them there yeah but the thing is I'm winning the fights and I'm, and I'm trapping you so I've got like 8 dice to wound you but it's not as crucial as when you're facing something else because you're not killing the model and it always comes back I reckon when you was rolling the 3 plus to come back you was failing maybe 1 in 6 yeah so even though I was winning the fights, and which I knew I'd win, I was never, I was, I was, all, all these um, excessive wounds was making no difference. Was it a frustrating army to play against? Oh yeah, yeah. but then again, you look frustrated as well. I'm, I, I'll be honest, I'm settling down now, but I, I was screaming, not screaming, I, I was getting a bit salty because I was getting very frustrated with the, um, just the lack of priority roles. And, and I feel like, um, and I think this is something we've touched on before in, in games, that when, when things spiral out of control early on um, and you lose a few priorities or something, and then it, it becomes a mental block and suddenly you're going, I'm losing this priority, I'm losing this priority, I'm losing this one, and then it's like, oh, I can't do anything, I'm yeah. losing everything. I mean, that happened to me in my um, third game yesterday. Um, I was losing, and I knew I was going to lose, and I, but I, I've got, because I've been playing war games for a long time, not this, this, not Lord of the Rings, I get to the mentality of, well, let's try and just score a point, let's just get anything. And that was my, that's my general attitude. I might be salty, I might, but I'll just keep it inside, and just, I'll just get that point. I'm not going to deny you the massacre, do you? I do. I do. T- I apologise if I was being salty. I you try. I try. You was not. Honestly, you weren't. Oh, okay. Good. Well, that's a, that's a relief. I was trying to get a kill point somewhere, a victory point of in any kind, and I kept charging the Slayer of Men, the burly one, um, into Durin, or leaving you to charge him usually, um, in the hope that I might get lucky and get that one wound, and that might help. But you very cleverly protected your banner throughout the game. Um, I didn't have a banner, so I was always going to be down by two points anyway. But I told you this early on, you're going to be down by, I'm going to be down by two points. And you're like, right, okay. And then you blocked him off with like at least five guys every single turn. You did it really well. Yeah, well, this is my, I think, my second weekend tournament. I've only played um, a couple of games at I Buy War Games, little one-day tournaments that shop's closed down now. And so I didn't really know a lot of the rules of this weekend. It's all about a learning curve. I mean, I'm happy with four wins over the weekend. I'm delighted with that. But I thought, as soon as you're telling me a little bit of runes like, oh, your banner's two points up, I thought, well, in my mind, didn't know what your army could do, I thought, well, if I kept my banner alive, I'm going to get two points. So I'm not going to lose by a lot. I was playing, like, damage, damage limitations until right. I could find out what your army done. And then, like, you know, yeah. That's a very, very clever way of playing it. And I think anyone who asks for advice of... Um, experienced players that is exactly the sort of advice that I would try and give them damage limitation and playing for the scenario and it's it's so simple but it's like it's, some, it's very easy when you're playing a new game you want to get stuck in you want to kill stuff you want to have fun and that's great but if you want to win some games doing things like damage limitation is so important yeah well I play a lot of different games game systems like Malifaux my top number one game but what I love about this is scenario based mm. I love the scenario based and, it's, and I just I use it like a tick board I just go through and think right if I kill the leader if I get one wound if I can keep him alive and you're just doing map hammering your heads all, all the time and, and that's why I, I, my, I had a chance um, Durin charged the Witch King um, and it was pretty much just Durin against 
the Witch King for one turn, or maybe maybe one Dwarf Archer or something like that. And I struck up that one turn in the hope that you would strike as well to take away your resources. And you didn't really care. You were like, nah, not going to bother. And I was thinking, damn, that's my one chance to get, get some might out of you and maybe give myself an advantage later on in the game. And it bit me on the arse later on because I had to spend two points on a resurrection roll. And I also, I spaffed the... Um, the, the strike and I got a roll of a one on the strike so I didn't even get fight seven so um, and that was my only chance really of thinking right okay this is where I'm going to get the kill and uh, the, the point for wounding you but just didn't get it I wasn't going to get it anyway so I thought if I dip dip into two uh, a couple of points of might to strike and then to wound Durin I can run away with the Witch King I can get rid of him but I just never got a chance to do that after that. I think it's because of the priority rolls. If it wasn't for the priority rolls, you would have got away. And um, I think I burned up two points of might on Durin at one point just to just to just to tie you down, just to get the wound to. to I think it was no, it was the win. It was the win the dual roll because I fell with the reroll, then fell with, fell with the banner. I don't think I killed him that turn. No, that was a Slayer of Men. But yes, you did. You you took him down because that was another chance for me to potentially win. I got a six. You got a four. You mighted up. You win. Yeah, yeah. So I was just, I was just burning. I was always going to keep one might back with Durin all through the game, just in case it was crucial to win that role. And and to anyone who listens to the Green Dragon podcast, might resources, resources is all about it. And you had, you had, you kept your uh, might very, very reserved, and you played that really well because, I mean, to be fair, you might, if we, if I'd have won a few more priorities, maybe you'd have spent a few more might on th- uh, priority roles. But hey, it didn't work out like that, and you played it perfectly you played for every single objective and uh, and you smashed me 12 nil in the end and not nobody has killed as many of these you quartered my army which is very difficult to do with an Nazgul of Dol Guldur army so very well done AJ well done thank you very much so the winner of war in Reading um, after six games Good versus evil. It's Matt Light, a new voice of the podcast. Well done on the tournament win. Thank you very much. Hi, everyone. Thank you. So, first of all, um, we, ha- we haven't heard from you in the uh, tournament before, but people might have heard your voice elsewhere. I understand you do some other podcasts. Yeah, I've been, uh, some friends of mine have been doing a Magic the Gathering podcast for about four or five years. We have about 300 episodes, something along those lines. Might not be quite that yet. Might not be quite 300, but that's still an awful lot. So you come from a, a quite a competitive Magic the Gathering scene, is that right? Yeah, so originally I played, I learned, I started playing war games when I was sort of small, probably primary school, someone I knew had some Imperial Guard and the tanks were cool, that kind of thing. Then SBG will have been released. And then when I was a teenager, I had that sort of competitive drive. And war gaming didn't really scratch that itch because there just weren't loads of tournaments or if there were I didn't know where they were or because I'm from Lincolnshire like you Harry so if there was if there were tournaments I probably wasn't getting to them at 15 without sort of no motorways in Lincolnshire so an hour and a half of driving I'm sure you sort of feel that pain yeah yeah there weren't even very many games workshops back in Boston and um, you were <laughs> you were uh, Sleaford way weren't you so and um, uh, yeah, so I guess for me, I was the same. I discovered tournaments and as once I could drive, basically. And then I was like, ah, okay, great. So you were playing a lot of Magic the Gathering. So um, first of all, you, you, you've 
rejoined the SPG system maybe like a year or two, is that yeah, right? Yeah, so my first, my first tournament was, um, well, it's no surprise I still play, it was Seven Stones last year in 2018. Uh, I played with a, a stranger, had a lovely time, and Barney Menzers had been telling me how good the game was and the community was for a long time. And I'd stopped playing Magic competitively because I'd been working on the tournaments um, sort of in Europe a bit. And then I started playing D&D and that is just not competitive at all. So I didn't really feel like I needed to try and win things anymore and was just playing games more for fun. And then this community is so great that it's a good game to try and play for fun. Mm. It's, it's a good game to try and play for fun, and here you are rocking the top of the table. So, and just walk me through your two army lists. So, good versus evil, five hundred points. What did you decide, and why? So, for my good list, I actually decided to play it with sort of an hour to go before list submission last Friday. I, I'm playing the Faramir's Rangers, Rangers of Ithilien list, um, basically because what it's doing at this point is just unfair. So, you've got thirty-four bows and about sort of eight nine might points so if you get if your scenario isn't bad and your opponent's list isn't really good against you say a shadow lord you're just the things you're doing are just so much stronger um and then for my evil i'm playing a yellow alliance of the shadow lord on fell beast with uh, 10 black numenorians a couple of trackers on wargs and a couple of trackers uh, so you've got a terror causing fight four defense six front line and then harbinger so they're like good terror and then some Moria Goblins with a captain behind them because they don't really cost any points. And then the Spider Queen because she's just so strong in so many scenarios. Brilliant. So let's just walk through a bit more of the, uh, the good. So um, you, you've done some different things. You've got a captain with a lance on a, on a horse and Faramir on a horse, which mm. I'd, I'd, maybe I'm just not playing against the competitive people, but I haven't seen that often with that Legion because I guess it's designed to be the Rangers of the Forest. So I guess they're some hitting power which you kind of need in combat yeah so it, it didn't really come up I got very fortunate with the scenarios actually this weekend with them because I played hold ground to start with um, and he had a spider queen which I just shot off the table and on sort of turn two and then just sort of wandered to the middle and sort of shot things quite easily um, and then the other two I got were um, the last one which was to the death against Corsairs and fog four against Corsairs so two where I just have ample opportunities to shoot them um, but so the horses didn't really matter like oh, I think they went into combat the guy with the lance went into combat a couple of times and obviously was good at killing things but largely it's a few more might points another bow the other thing you can do is play Frodo and Sam which I know some people at the tournament did do but I was advised that wouldn't be great because it's only Frodo's only good if you're getting Faramir into combat and you don't really want to be doing that because he's not that good at fighting and he's, he's defence what five mm. two attacks yeah, especially in the Legion, you can't take the extra armor and the shields yeah. and stuff, can you? So, so that's that's interesting. So you've got um, you've got a lot of bows, uh, all, all that sort of stuff. And you're in good versus evil. Sometimes, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, the, the Angmar, the Shades, things like that. Were you playing against what you would call competitive armies or uh, competitive people? I guess. Yeah. So I mean, my Rangers. Uh, the first game mm. was against Moria and a Spider Queen. So like good amount of models and a good and the spider queen's good but obviously she's really easy to shoot she's only defense four and then i played against world champion twice i played him um at the end of the first day and at the end of the second day um and he was playing corsairs so because i played the corsairs twice yeah i did yeah and in favorable scenarios so it's not the the chips fell quite nicely for me um because i wasn't fighting it's like a moran and horde i was winning on sixes yeah, and, and to be fair, Will, I mean, Will Champel, we've heard from him a couple of times on the podcast. He's won a couple of tournaments, so yeah, we know that he's a, he's a good player. Um, on to the evil side. Um, so 
what, what sort of games were you playing and, and how tough were they with, with your slight mix of stuff? So that, that's, that's a, good, a good question because there were quite varied armies. So the first game was against the Rohan Legendary Legion, um, which is incredibly good in good versus evil because so few armies can do anything about you just charging four heroes in, calling three heroic combats, and then you've killed 16 models and suddenly... You, even though you only had 18 models, suddenly you outnumber them with all your horses. Um, so in that game, it was quite interesting. So we started in the middle, and he charged me. Fared and failed his courage test, which was incredibly good for me. So the Shadow Lord hopped over and threw a Rider of Rohan, who'd also failed his courage test, into Fared and dismounting him. And then the Spider Queen did probably my favourite fl- play of the tournament, where she ran along the line uh, and dropped a broodling behind every hero. So when they called a heroic combat, they weren't going to be able to move out the way because there was a broodling blocking them, then charged the side and hurled down the line and dismounted all the heroes. Wow, that sounds like a hell of a yeah, play. It was, it was really quite quite serious. And and from what I gather, um, you've been sort of you've been quite tuning yourself to try and get get to the uh, get to the tops, get to these good places, um, and. Has that been a difficult sort of getting your head around the meta and the changes that, that um, might have come in? So my, my philosophy on list building has basically been that if I want to try and podium the tournaments, which is what I want to do, I'm more interested in writing lists than I am in playing games. Um, I need to build lists that give me a competitive edge against the people like Will uh, and like Alistair, who I also played, who are much better than me, much more experienced, so that one, I can get favourable scenarios, and two, um, that I've got as much of an advantage before any dice are rolled. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to do with my lists. And evil models give you that a bit more than good models. Because when you've got good models, you end up in these games where I also don't want to get punked. I hate, if, I've, if I have a game where I heroic strike and you heroic strike and we're both rolling a d6, that's my idea of hell in wargaming. Um, so this tournament, that never happened. I never had to do that. And that was perfect. So that's what I've been trying to do with my list. Well, it sounds really interesting, your philosophy about gaming. Maybe at another time we'll be able to chat more about it. But Matt, <laughs> I, either way, well done for uh, winning the tournament. And I think, is this your first one in the league? Second. Second in the league. Well, either way, it's a, an achievement nonetheless. Thank you very much. Cheers. So there you go. Well done again to Matt Light for his efforts uh, winning this tournament. He did say he had some favourable conditions his way, but I think that's just the modesty of Matt showing through. He's an excellent player, often seen in the top, top uh, uh, echelons of, of many of the tournaments that I've been to. Uh, so it's nice to uh, finally uh, get him on the podcast and have a chat about the way he thinks. Uh, I'd love to have another chat with him about his philosophy again because he's certainly got an interesting uh, uh, way of playing the game. A lot of us come from the thematic background of really loving Lord of the Rings. Matt's more interested in the uh, the balance of the game and, and how, how that works and uh, it's yeah it's a really interesting philosophy as, as, as particularly like the moment he said about uh, rolling a, a dice for a heroic strike is is his kind of nightmare uh, during the game. So really interesting, because actually that's the sort of thing that I love about the game, the little random random moments where you might have a mini, uh, mini hero uh, like Merry uh, fighting against the odds against someone like, I don't know, Sauron and winning and doing a wound or something like that. That's the thing that makes me love the game. Clearly Matt's uh, a different kind of player. So that's fantastic uh, to uh, chew the fat uh, with someone uh, who's got a different philosophy to me. Um, So there you go. That's War in Reading. A big shout out to Dewey Evans who uh, got the most sporting at the tournament. And from what I understand looking at the data afterwards he got all six votes. Uh, So every single opponent he played uh, gave him their favourite game vote. So cracking effort and I think he's uh, somewhere in the top five in the tournament as well so really really good stuff um i would chew through the uh the, some of the army lists 
uh, that came in the top few tiers of the tournament. Um, but uh, I understand that, that some uh, member of the GBHL, James Long, um, who's uh, become sort of a PR representative for the the uh, league, is going to do that sort of thing soon uh, on on the Facebook page. So keep an eye out for that sort of thing. Um, and also, uh, a lot of these lists are on the GBHL already. If you just search for War in Reading, um, uh, Dave's uh, the organisers put up all the uh, all the links uh, onto the league, so you can have a good good look at some of those things. So uh, really interesting, uh, really interesting list at the top there. Uh, quite a few, I think, it's a half and half split between Hobbit and uh, Lord of the Rings, and yeah, just really interesting to have a look at them. So do check them out. There's uh, lots to lots to look at. To see what's riding high at 500 points, good versus evil at the moment. Um, so that is it. For now, um, there's another podcast on the way, um, definitely one more in December, so still a few weeks away yet, uh, a nice Christmas present for you, and hopefully, hopefully I'll finally finish the Slow Grow League um, tournament uh, podcast, because um, I've just got one more game, a thousand points of Hobbits, um, and uh, me and Matt Shepperson uh, from my local area, who uh, we keep trying to arrange a game, and uh, work keeps getting in the way, or Matt can't make it, or various different things, so fingers crossed, um, I'll take the Hobbit Horde up to a thousand points with a load of Rangers and all that sort of gubbins and we'll be able to uh, finally meet over the table Urukai versus Hobbits uh, for an epic clash of a thousand points and then I'll be able to tie up the podcast um, once we know uh, the winner of the league so uh, it's been great doing that slow go league but <laughs> it is very slow towards the tail end of it uh, once everyone gets to a thousand points it's really tough to convince people to build a thousand points worth of a new army but they've done really well they've done really well uh, considering when we started the slow grow, uh, people only had a few models, so they're actually uh, everyone's really taken to it in my local area. And we're already talking about battle companies and scenario-led uh, events and things like that, and, and mini tournaments um, in the upcoming future. So it's it's great. So uh, uh, do check back at the previous slow grow episode because uh, it's great to hear the philosophy of newbies uh, to the game and what they bought, why they bought it, and how they're going to build their armies and, and some of the tips that I give them while I'm playing them. Um, not that you particularly want tips from someone who played on the bottom table during. War uh, a couple of times and graced very low uh, tables. But anyway, uh, War for me uh, was a, a bit of a mid-ranging ranking tournament. In the end, uh, I ended up quite low down in the in the league. But um, as as ever, I was trying out something slightly different. Um, which I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed. So next time, I'm going to try something that I've definitely used before and mm, with relative success. So uh, keep an eye on the Facebook page, the Entmoot Podcast Facebook page, uh, to see for any tips of what I'm doing and planning for the next one. Hopefully, I'm going to try and do something a little bit special for uh, the final event of the year uh, of the calendar. Right, that's that. Thanks very much for listening once more. Do get in touch, entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, queries, uh, want some tips about tournaments or anything. Um, I can try my best. Um, and other than that, boo-ra-rum. Boo-ra-rum.